This podcast does not constitute financial or investment advice. It is for educational, general information and entertainment purposes only. Please consult with your own financial advisor before making any financial decisions. People just don't know where to start. Often people think that the conversation has to be about numbers. It's like, oh my goodness, my child's going to ask me about my salary or my hourly wages. And you can have so many conversations about money that don't involve numbers at all. You can talk about your values. You can talk about attitudes. You can talk about your habits. There's so many conversations that can be had that don't need to actually involve a number or what your credit card bill is. You're listening to Banking on Girls, the podcast that explores the importance of financial literacy for girls and young women. And I'm your host, Marina Batmiwala. Join me on this journey to uncover insights and inspiration. Hi, everyone. My guest today is Rebecca Maxey, the Director and Principal Investigator at the University of Chicago Financial Education Initiative where she has led the research and development of FinEdge, a single-semester financial education course for high school students, and Talking Sense, which are conversation cards developed to engage people in conversations about money. She's also an author of Everyday Mathematics. Rebecca has a master's in education from Lesley University and a Bachelor of Arts degree from Bates College. She's also a mother of two teenagers. Welcome, Rebecca. Thanks so much. Rebecca, you recently attended the We Thrive program for the Lieutenant Governor of Illinois. What were some of the main themes that arose around women and financial literacy there? Sure. So the We Thrive initiative is something that Lieutenant Governor Juliana Stratton has started and really exploring, you know, what are the needs of the women in Illinois? And the stronger that women are in the state, the better off we all are. So it was really interesting a lot of what you talk about on this podcast is hearing essentially people's money stories. Where did they learn about money? What was it like growing up? And just the varied experiences. I would say most of the people there had limited conversations, limited to none. And there were a few who were sort of the product of households where money was discussed, but for the most part across the board, it was pretty you know rare if that happened. So really a lot of what are women's roles you know, how not just as, you know, worker or caretaker, it was, you know, just a real breadth of roles. Yeah, really just kind of exploring what are the issues that we see, you know, for women around, you know, childcare and healthcare and, you know, this sort of, as they describe the sandwich generation, you know, taking care of children, but also helping to take care of aging parents. So there were a lot of similarities and commonality. So it, it was really interesting. Because there is this sandwich generation, I think that would make, you know, financial literacy even more important, right? Managing not one, but possibly even two households and and how to even navigate that in a woman's future. It's interesting, you know, you read about it, the burden often falls on the woman, but hearing, being in that room and hearing from all these different women and their experiences, and, and it was true, it was so many in that room were taking care of you know, both sides of the sandwich, right? So the parents and their own children. So it's interesting when you see that to be true. Now, your background, you have Bachelor of Arts, you have Master's in Education. How did you end up in the financial education field? 
I am an educator and I've taught everything from second grade all the way through graduate school. So I came to the university, let's see, I think I'm in my 20th year. <laughs> so many years ago, and as a curriculum developer. So I worked on, as you mentioned, everyday mathematics, an elementary school math curriculum, and some other projects around school mathematics. And about eight or nine years ago, a funder came to us and, and was interested in a high school financial education. It was actually something that we had just had some initial conversations about, so the timing was interesting. And from that, we developed this single semester course and then have moved on. So really came into this as, as an educator and then as someone who writes and develops curriculum. So there is a lot of emphasis around financial education in high school. I think now there are 12 states in the United States that are making it compulsory as a graduation requirement. So you're obviously at the forefront of that because, you know, there are only 12 states even now that make it compulsory. What were some of the things you found in terms of the outcomes from that curriculum or just the experience of rolling that out? Yeah, so... It's interesting because every day I think they're, it seems like every day they're adding another state. So there is a lot of movement at the high school level. When we initially started, I think with anything, if you don't build a foundation and you don't start from the ground up, it can be, you know, particularly challenging. So when high school was the foot in the door, right now in education, it's the easiest place to get a course in, a unit of study, a single semester. And we developed that course, and, and every year we really look at, you know, how are the students doing? What are the results showing? Where can we make improvements? And what we noticed year after year, and also looking across, not just with our program, but with other programs across the country, is that we were really able to, you know, move the mark to help students understand the knowledge piece that, you know, that they could understand what a bank is, how it functions, what's interest, those types of pieces of information. But when it comes to behaviors and attitudes, which are a huge piece of this, so they're a huge part of, of this puzzle, that we were moving the needle, but not as much as we wanted. And so, you know, we really went back to why, why is that? What's happening that we're not able to increase, you know, move the mark, basically? When we went back to the research and really examining that, it all points to starting earlier. You want to change someone's behavior. You want to change attitudes. You've got to start when kids are young. One of the key pieces is that many money habits and behaviors and attitudes are formed by age seven. So you're trying to compete with that in high school. It's challenging. So it's sort of understandable that students are able to pick up the information but aren't as able to change behaviors and attitudes because, quite frankly, some of them are somewhat set. So, yeah, we've really been going back and exploring that and how can we make a difference early on so that when students get to high school, because we don't, we think it's still important that, that having a course in high school is, is crucial, but that when they get there, they're still working on changing those behaviors and those attitudes and increasing their knowledge. Think of things in health or even think of things like recycling. You can't start talking about those things when kids are in high school. It's not going to change anything. It will be minor, incremental. 
And so if you want to change someone's health, you've got to start talking about it when they're young and building and forming these habits when they're much younger. So we're trying to sort of chase this problem and fix it with a Band-Aid when people are older. And it will help some, and it does, and it's showing that it's working, but how can we make it even stronger and have a far greater impact than it's already having? Yeah. I mean, I think this is fascinating. And there was that University of Cambridge study that sort of said your money habits are set by the age of seven. There's another professor who said your money personalities developed by ninth grade. So to me, all this points to parents having an absolutely critical role early on. There's no one else that can impact a child at that age to that extent. The other thing that I've found out is that there are many families that just don't talk about money for whatever reason, cultural or other reasons. And I'm really interested in this new initiative that you've developed where you're developing conversation cards to help people engage in conversations around money. Yeah. You know, I don't know about you, but in my house, we didn't talk. It was sort of considered, I guess, tacky or awkward to talk about it. So we didn't really talk about it. We talk about it way more now than we used to partly because of, of what I do. But uh, yeah, and, and I think the same is true, like you said, whether it's cultural or just situational or whatever that might be, people are not having these conversations. So there are a few things that we've been working on to try and bridge that gap. How do people just don't know where to start? Often people think that the conversation has to be about numbers. It's like, oh my goodness, my child's going to ask me what my salary or my hourly wage is. And you can have so many conversations about money that don't involve numbers at all. You can talk about your values. You can talk about attitudes. You can talk about your habits. There's so many conversations that can be had that don't need to actually involve a number or what your credit card bill is. So the first thing you mentioned are the conversation cards. So we've actually been building a new deck of digital conversation cards that we recently field tested. And they're different, they're improved because we've been including things around executive functioning skills. So how do we get people to think more deeply about their, you know, sort of these formed habits about impulse control, about self-control, about time manage, all these different pieces. And so really incorporating things like that in the card so that they're addressing these ideas with their kids without even knowing it. And so it just gives people an entry point. And that was what seems to be the most challenging is how do you bring this up? Well, here's a deck of cards, you know, and start that conversation. We've also been doing, a, we have a few other tools that we've been working on that are, one is a called the My Money Journal. And it's really for kids, but the idea is that it's the child's journal, but they're asked to go occasionally have a conversation with an adult or interview an adult or call different adults and, you know, to really, again, start that conversation, but it's sort of on their own terms, you know, it's their journal. Another tool that we've been working on and just about to start that field test is a family kit. So how do you involve you know, maybe not just parent and child, but siblings, it could be grandparents, it could, you know, beyond whatever your vision or your idea of family is, friends, and really involving more people in the discussion. And, you know, really kind of exploring that and, and getting a better understanding for other people's attitudes and behaviors and feelings around money. So, yeah, I think any 
tool that we can get out there that can we can give people that can just really initiate that it is so beneficial. What I love about this actually is that you're using you know pretty sophisticated analysis here at the University of Chicago, but you're giving very simple tools using that you know knowledge and analysis. You're you're sort of boiling it down into some fairly distinct, I would say, developmental phases when it comes to teaching children. And so parents don't need to have masters or PhDs to administer these tools, right? So maybe you can just give an example of for very young children, like what would be an example of how you could use the cards or use a conversation started to talk to a very young child? Sure. So ideally, we think around kindergarten for the cards is probably, you know, maybe age five-ish. And so, you know, really thinking about, you know, a card such as, you know, describe a perfect day that doesn't involve any money. And talking about what does that look like, you know, and then describe a day that does, the perfect day that might involve money. And, you know, for a young child, certain things they may not understand actually involve money. (laughs) So if they say go to the movies, right, it becomes a conversation. And really kind of thinking about having them to start thinking about the role that money plays in their everyday life. And by adults sharing the role that it plays in their everyday life, they start to see how, wow, this is everywhere. This is going to be around me, you know, and I need to understand. So the cards are very simple and they're essentially accessible for multiple ages. And I think the one piece of research I do want to mention that we really thought was fascinating is that the more kids talk to their parents when they're young, the more likely they are to seek out information when they get older. So who doesn't want that, right? Who doesn't want when their child is going to rent an apartment, buy a home, buy a car to seek out information, right? Like what's the best deal? You know, where can I get the best loan? And really digging in deep and not going in without any information. So I think that to us was really key. So making sure that the cards are accessible for everyone, really examining those questions, which is why we field test. So we field test across the country with various ages to make sure that these work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is an incredible project. And when will the cards be available? They're still being tested. The last surveys are coming in right now. So hopefully within the next month or two, we'll have them available. And so there will be a digital version. And it's interesting, people still want physical cards, so likely a physical version as well. Fantastic. When we had talked previously, you'd given me a really interesting example in your education field where you had given students a homework assignment to talk about money with their parents. And you were really concerned that this could be a very difficult conversation for some of these children. Yeah. So when we were field testing the high school program, you know, we were looking at homework. And so, you know, homework is unfortunately (laughs) for many children out there. It's just a part of every high school curriculum, right? So we knew we wanted to have homework. And so we know from our experience in mathematics and science that connecting what's done in school to what's done at home, that homeschool connection is really important. And so we felt like that should be a component. Somehow we want to involve the parents And the research kept driving us saying, the more you can involve the parents, like this conversation we're having, right? The more you can involve the parents, the better this is in the long run. So we made about a quarter of all the homework assignments where the students were having a conversation with, you know, a trusted adult, a teacher, a parent. 
And all of us were nervous because it's how will this be received? You have your child going to school, learning about money. And if you're nervous, and if the parent is at all nervous about money or feeling anxious about money, which most adults are, and then they're coming home and having to answer questions and be essentially grilled by their teenager, it can be uncomfortable. So we were very nervous about how this would be received. And quite frankly, for the field test teachers, we wanted to make sure that they weren't getting phone calls, you know, from upset parents. So we really tried to, you know, through family letters in the program, giving them sort of a heads up, this is to parents, this is coming, this is what your child is learning. And I have to say, it was such a pleasant surprise. It was one of the best things to come out of the field test is how much parents appreciated those assignments. They, teachers were getting emails, calls, visits from parents, you know, saying, I'm actually having deep conversations with my child about money or about anything, first of all, and then about money. (laughs) And I didn't know how to do this. And this gives me a way in. So it was from that, that essentially, you know, that idea that the involving parents was really critical. And so what are all the different ways that we can do that? And essentially the cards. So from the field test and from applying all this research, we're always learning from that, you know, and using that experience. And so that's essentially how the idea of the cards was born. So Yeah. So we were really pleased and the teachers were relieved. (laughs) And we did actually have, you know, some parents ask if they could come and, you know, sit in on the class, if they could get an extra set of materials. I think parents were learning as well. So I think we sort of sometimes forget a lot of us missed this. We didn't have financial education in high school. So we're playing catch up and, you know, having that information at your fingertips can be really helpful. Yeah, and I had a similar experience when I was teaching a merit badge around financial literacy called personal management to my daughter's scouts troop. And I ended up having a lot of mothers come to me and say, saying, you know, I wish you could teach us this. So that's really one of the reasons I started the podcast. But yeah. No, it's people are really hungry for information, but from a trustworthy source. We were doing a project with someone recently on TikTok and it's horrifying to see what's out there. And if people are taking this at face value and think that this is accurate information, it's concerning. And so I think for parents, it's where do you turn for that information? And they see you as a trusted source. I think they're really looking for that because so much right now that we see it's sponsored by credit card companies. It's quite frankly, sponsored by banks or by other financial institutions. And who have a vested interest, right? We were actually just looking at a new game that we saw for kids and it's sponsored by a buy now, pay later company. And all the cards were driving, you know, the user of this activity to shop. (laughs) And so it is concerning when you see that out there. And I think it is hard for parents. What information do I trust? Yeah, it can be challenging. You have two teenagers of your own. How have you strived to raise them with financial intelligence? You know, honestly, I'll be repeating myself, but just talking about it, you know, I want them to feel comfortable coming to myself or my husband and, you know, having these conversations and not feeling shame or being open about it. So we, 
and trying to also foster a sense of independence. So, you know, I really encourage them to get jobs when they're teenagers. So, you know, both have had jobs the past few summers. We talk without being too intense, you know, oh, your first paycheck, you know, let's talk about that when you see the taxes taken out, you know, and just having those conversations, but it's real, it's tangible, you know, opening the bank account and just kind of having those sort of real life moments versus me telling them. So when you get your first job, you're going to do X, Y, and Z, but they're actually living it, they're experiencing it. But truly, I think we use things in the news a lot, you know, this will pop up and we'll say, this is how this would impact our family, our neighborhood, our city, you know, and having those just starting that conversation and you start to see them ask you more, what does this mean? What does this mean for us? What does this mean for other people? So, yeah, I think, I don't know, well, hopefully I'm doing an okay job. (laughs) Sounds like you are. And, you know, I think obviously you have a boy and a girl and you want to treat them equally, but do you have any particular advice for parents raising girls in today's world? So I read some scary, interesting research about how much information is passed on to the boy first, even from the mother, which I thought was really interesting. So I think in my life, being conscious of that, is there a bias there that some, you know, this idea that like the boys will take care of the finances. In my house, my mother actually took care of the finances. So I thought that was interesting. So I think you know, making sure that you're avoiding that, I guess, is is one thing. And I think for my daughter, it's just making sure she feels empowered and feels as though she can have those conversations. She can ask the questions without being intimidated. You know, this came up at the We Thrive chat is, you know, asking for a raise and having those conversations. And so really coaching her on that, that it's okay to ask for a raise often, you know, it's okay to ask for a raise period. It's okay to do it, you know, and to help her sort of craft those conversations in her head or emails or whatever that may be, but, you know, really working with her on that. So I think there's this perception that if you do those things, you're seen as aggressive or, you know, whatever (laughs) the word may be, but, you know, really kind of encouraging her to do that and speak up for herself and be her own advocate and her own champion where I've focused a lot of attention, especially now that she's in college. (laughs) That's great advice. And where can people find your tools and research? Sure. So we are available to our website. We also have Twitter and we're on LinkedIn and all the social media pieces, but our URL is financialeducation.uchicago.edu. And you can find the work we're doing, our latest sort of solutions are available there. And yeah, reach out if you have questions. (laughs) Thank you so much, Rebecca Maxey, for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Banking on Goals podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate the podcast and be sure to hit subscribe or follow so you can receive notifications of new episodes. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at bankingongoals.com.